0: All right. So I understand that y'all have been going through a series uh, over the last month on uh, thankfulness and y'all have spent several weeks um, seeing how and what we are to be thankful for in different seasons of our lives. Um, the topic that was given to me was thankful during hard times. Um, and some of you like me stayed up Till about 1130 last night and witnessed a certain purple and gold team fall in seven overtimes. And so you may be here this morning thinking, hey, I need a sermon that's going to give me some encouragement during this hard time in my life. And so maybe maybe that'll be fitting for this morning. But uh, as bad as you think you have it, I live in Texas and my pastor is an Aggies fan. So. I'm definitely going to be going through a hard time over the next week, um, certainly with this text message last night. So uh, anyway, in all seriousness, though, um, Scripture has a lot to say about being thankful. Uh, Scripture has a lot to say about how the Christian life is a life that should be and is supposed to be a life of gratitude. And I'm here this morning to talk about when it may be the most difficult time but the most necessary time for us to be thankful as Christians. The last thing that I want to do this morning is stand up here and pretend like I have excelled in the area of being thankful during hard times. That would be an act. And I don't want to portray that. You see, the hard times that I'm talking about have nothing to do with Your favorite team losing a football game. It has really nothing to do at all with the hard times of experiencing certain physical exhaustion. See, you may be here this morning. You may be a student. You may have endless amounts of homework, numerous extracurricular activities, and a home life that doesn't support any of those things and actually only adds to the trouble. Or you may be here this morning coming straight off of a graveyard shift. You've worked so many 12-hour days consecutively, you don't even know where they begin or end. And right now you're thinking, my goodness, tomorrow is Monday and I'm going to be right back on the job. Or you may be a new parent here this morning or a parent of five. And you may not be able to remember the last time that you got eight sweet hours of sleep and woke up fresh and energized. And I know that some of you may just get tired from hearing about those days because you remember those days. And I know this, that physical exhaustion can quickly turn to spiritual exhaustion. But I'm telling you this morning that physical weariness alone is not the hard times that I'm referring to this morning the hard times, the hard seasons of life that I'm here to talk about this morning may be better described in one word, and that word is suffering. In my experience of suffering, I've learned that while I can grow physically tired at times, bodily weariness does not compare to spiritual suffering and a soul that is desperate in need of rest. See, I believe that Scripture most assuredly supports this claim. When you examine the lives of men like Job and King David, Jeremiah, even last week, y'all looked at the great prophet Elijah, and absolute certain that they experience some physical pain. They experience their share of Life of physical exhaustion. But one thing when you examine the lives of these Old Testament saints that you are certain of is that their spiritual suffering was so much greater. You see, we have the inspired words recorded for us in Scripture. And listen to what Romans 15.4 has to say about these inspired words. Romans 15.4 says, The purpose... For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. Guys, God's Word, all things that were written prior to our time found in God's inspired, inerrant, holy Word was written with the purpose of our instruction, purpose for our endurance and encouragement. In church... I am not here to detail my own experience of suffering. Because this I know. Each one of you has a personal story of a time that you've experienced suffering. And that because I, the way I can know that is because where we live today is in a fallen world. Things are not the way they're supposed to be. Our lives are not the way that God intended them to be. We live in a fallen world. World. And this world will be marked by tragedy. This life will have times of suffering. And, church, you may be currently going through a season of suffering right now. However, what I've learned most about suffering, and honestly, what I'm still learning, is that suffering can cause a tremendous amount of fear. Suffering can cause overwhelming amount of doubt. A paralyzing anxiety that grips you. And suffering even has potential of causing you to forget the gospel. You see, what suffering does is it causes a real, deep, gut-wrenching, raw Pain deep in your soul so how in the world can you be thankful during these hard times well I'm here this morning to point you to the one and only one who can give rest to our souls in church during hard times during times of suffering I am thankful for my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ If you have your Bible this morning, a copy of God's Word, whether it be electronically or a physical copy, please take time to turn to Matthew chapter 11 this morning. Matthew chapter 11. As you're turning to the Bible, to the passage this morning, I I want to quickly set the context of the verses that we're going to be looking at. You see, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus had just sent out his 12 apostles to preach the gospel, to proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus gives a warning. He tells them that they will be persecuted. But we know Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 through 25, the scripture tells us that as followers of Christ, we should not be surprised by persecution, but we should actually expect Persecution. In fact, we are to suffer even as Christ himself suffered. What student is greater than their teacher? However, this, uh, this persecution, it shouldn't cause us to fear, because then Jesus quickly reminds us that God cares more deeply about his children than we could ever imagine, even knowing the number of hairs on our very head. We then see Jesus go on to answer John the Baptist, who, a few chapters prior, had just proclaimed, "There, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world." Now he's in prison, and doubts enter John the Baptist's mind, and he goes and sends his disciples to ask if Jesus truly is the Messiah. In which Jesus affirms, and then goes on to praise John. Which brings us to chapter eleven, where Jesus, uh, chapter eleven, verse twenty, where Jesus pronounces judgment. He pronounces woes upon the cities where Jesus performed most of his great works. Yet the people refuse to believe that he was the Savior. See, just last night, I was in conversation with a few of you guys here that are in attendance this morning. We were discussing the biblical truths of human responsibility to respond to the gospel, which is supported clearly in Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 through 24, as well as the biblical truth of God's complete sovereignty, which is also supported Throughout Scripture, most clearly here in our text of Matthew eleven twenty five through twenty seven, Scripture consistently presents these two truths without contradiction. You see, God is absolutely sovereign over all things; He is in control, and He does all things for His glory. And we also see that man is responsible to respond to the gospel. Now, my finite human mind, it cannot figure out God. It can't figure out these deep truths. But to remain scripturally true, to remain true to the scriptures, I do affirm these two doctrines. They are biblical. But again, one thing I'm thankful for is that God doesn't ask me to figure him out. God commands me to trust him. And see, I admit that I all too often attempt to figure out God. And nothing in my life has led me to asking the question, why? Quite like this time of suffering. You know, there's a song lyric that I've held very, very tightly to over the last several months. This is a song by Mercy Me. And the lyric says, Why? The question that is never far away, but healing doesn't come from the explained. And the point of the song it goes on to make is that our suffering, our healing comes when our hurt meets the healer. In church, the one great physician, the true healer, the one who brings rest to our weary souls is Jesus Christ. And that is who I want to point us to this morning. He is the one that I want to exalt. And whether I exalt Him or not, Jesus is exalted and He's high upon His throne. Immovable. unshakable. And so church, read with me from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. As we look at the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 28 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Church, I want to spend just a few moments in this passage. And I would encourage you right now, if you have a pen or a highlighter or if it's on your phone, that you would mark these verses. Commit them to memory. Hold fast to this promise from Jesus Christ. Promises are found throughout Scripture and all of God's promises find their yes in Christ, Therefore, every promise that God makes in Scripture is yours and mine in Christ Jesus. But this promise here is a sweet promise from the lips of Jesus Christ Himself of something that He says He will do for us. Hold fast to the promises of our good and faithful God. So number one, number one, the question is, Who can come to Jesus Christ? Who is it? You see, we can rack our finite human brains over these things that we honestly and truly cannot fully comprehend. But I can tell you this and you can comprehend this as well as my small mind can. The word all means all. That means all of you. And all of them outside of this place. Jesus says, Come to me all. So, the question is answered. Who can come to Christ? All can come. Especially those who are weary and recognize their spiritual need. Apart from recognizing this, no one comes to Christ. So, What does the world do with broken things? What does the world do with broken people? Church, if I was to stand up here this morning and I was to hold a jar, a clay vessel, and I was to take it and I was to drop it on this hard floor, what would happen? It would shatter. It would be broken. And the world would quickly sweep it away. You know what God does with broken things? God uses broken people. In fact, Scripture testifies that broken people are the only ones God can use, the only ones God will use. God can do anything He pleases. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Are you broken this morning? Have you experienced brokenness in your life? You see, what's happening here at this time, and we're not sure the exact time that verse 25 is referring to, but we know that at some point around the, the, the previous verses, what we see is Jesus proclaiming the glory of God, the sovereignty of God, and how Christ reveals God to those whom He chooses. But then we see in verse 28, Jesus making a promise. He says, Come to Me, all who labor and are heavy laden. You workers, you doers, you strivers, you triers, come to me. You see, in this time, you had Jewish teachers. And they were maybe gentle. They were perhaps lowly in heart. But one thing they could not do that Jesus Christ did was give rest to weary souls. You see, these teachers of the law, they kept pointing to the law. They kept pointing to the Torah and do this and do this and do this. And they were ascribing to the the Torah for salvation works of the law. Legalism will kill you. Legalism will destroy you. And some of you may be here this morning and you may be striving. And trying trying to do better you fail you pull yourself up and you go after it again and you fail and you pull yourself up and you keep trying and you keep trying and you keep trying and if you continue down that road there will come a time where trying is impossible you walk away from it all and you quit you know what God never intended it to be this way so I'm here to tell you this morning listen Your trying and your earning is an opposition to God. It is an offense to God. I love what one preacher down in Texas says by the name of Matt Carter. He says when we try to earn God's favor, it's like us holding up our hands next to the Savior's bloodied hands with nails, nail holes still in them. We can't earn God's favor. We can't do what Jesus has already done. We've already failed. We're already in need of a Savior. And God has provided His Savior. So I want to encourage you this morning. If you're here and yes, you, you, you may be here and you may say, well, I've trusted in Jesus, but I've got to do this. And, and I've, I believe that Jesus did that, but I've got to do this. Do not believe the lie that you have to do anything. What Jesus has already done is finished. He has accomplished it. It was Jesus in my place on the cross And it is believing in Jesus' finished work, His death for my sins, His resurrection for, for, for the power of forgiveness of my sins. He's done it. It is finished. Legalism, trying, will destroy you. It will destroy you here on earth, but it also leads to eternal destruction. Have you trusted fully? in the finished, accomplished work of Jesus Christ. Leaning on nothing of your doing. Number two, I want to remind you, again, number two, to take up the promises of Jesus Christ. Take up the promises. Look at the promises found here. He says, I will give you rest Again, he he promises, you will find rest for your souls. You see, one thing, and this is for the sufferer in the room, is that suffering will cause us to forget the depth, the riches, the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It can have that effect on us. It can cause us to turn so far inward that we begin to look at all of our failures and all of our shortcomings, all of our sin. But the gospel turns our eyes from ourselves and puts them where they belong, on Jesus Christ. Are you here this morning adding trouble to your trouble by looking so inwardly at yourself Have you forgotten who this is that is speaking? You see, Jesus isn't still on the cross. He's not walking this earth today. Jesus Christ is seated on His throne. He is King of the heavens and the earth. But Jesus Christ is the same today as He was yesterday and as He will be tomorrow. And that is who He describes Himself to be. He says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. Do you see who Jesus says that he is? And do you believe it? Don't allow your suffering to cause you to forget who Jesus Christ is. Psalm 4610 says this. It says to cease striving and know that I'm God. That was texted to me by a close friend of mine who I've leaned heavily on over the last several months. And when I read that, in my time of suffering, it was such an encouragement just to stop. God says to quit, to stop, to cease. Stop fighting, stop trying to figure out and just know that I'm God. And we know that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh and He is gentle and He is lowly in heart. Guys, in your time of hard seasons. The only way to remain thankful in a time when it is very, very necessary for you to be thankful is to keep your eyes on Jesus. He goes on. This passage says that Jesus tells us to take my yoke upon you and learn from me For I am gentle and lowly in heart. You see what a yoke is. It's an imagery of oxen in the field. And Jesus is saying, you know, this law that these teachers are putting on you, this legalism that you're striving for and how we want to add to Jesus's finished work by our own good works, which is impossible to do. Jesus says that take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. But yoke is a tool, right? Therefore, the Christian life is and requires a life of work. Not for salvation, okay? That is established. Faith in Jesus. But we do have a work to do. But Jesus Christ makes that work manageable and makes it possible to do it. Apart from Him, we can't do anything. So, we rest in Christ. We find rest for our weary souls in Christ. And then we see that Jesus' burden is light. What does that mean? What is a burden? Well, what this looks like is someone carrying something. And they're, they're tired. And they've been carrying it for so long... And they're worn out. Church, some of you here this morning, you're carrying burdens that were intended to be laid at the cross to never be picked up again. And then to take the burden of Jesus Christ upon yourself. Well, Matthew 16, 24 says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You see, this is the yoke and the burden. Jesus says, if you will follow me, you must deny yourself. That means die to self. Pick up the cross daily and follow me is how the author the Gospel of Luke writes it. Daily. Well, the cross seems like a heavy thing, right? The cross is is a symbol of death. Yet Jesus is telling us that his burden is light. Church, when you die to yourself and you pick up the burden and you carry the cross, it becomes light as you follow Jesus Christ. He will be with you. He will help you. So there is work to be done. You see, Dallas Willard has a quote, and he says that grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning You can't earn God's grace. We just sang about it in the song, grace so free. You don't earn something that's free. You receive it. And that is God's grace. And it is more abundant than any amount of sin that may be in your life. God's grace covers where sin increased. God's grace increased all the more. God's grace is abundant. So he says that grace is not opposed to effort see, this is the work that is to be done. To take up your cross daily and to follow Jesus. But you've got to come to Christ. Earning is an attitude. He says that grace, you know, does not just have to do with forgiveness of sins alone. Guys, we are daily desperate for the grace of God. And it is God's sufficient grace that will sustain you through hard times. When you feel like you're not being sustained, when you feel like that you're not persevering, when you feel like that you are about to crumble and your soul is weary and you are restless, Christ is holding you fast. His work is accomplished. And he says, come to me. The Christian life provides spiritual rest. It is for those who are broken, who recognize their need for a Savior. And Jesus is inviting all to come to Him, to cry out to Him, to fall on Him, to trust Him. Guys, do we have a trustworthy God? Can we trust God? What about the doubts? What about the fears? What about the anxieties? Do you think any of those things surprise God? We've established that God is sovereign. He's all-knowing. You can't surprise God. (laughs) Again, this Word was written for our instruction and our encouragement, and we could count the times that God says, "...do not fear." We can count the times that God tells us not to be anxious. And He doesn't do it angrily. He does it as a gentle and lowly of heart, good and gracious God. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I know where I am. And I know that daily... Sometimes, moments by moment, I've had to remind myself to come to Jesus. Remind myself that He is gentle and lowly in heart. That Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, took sin upon Himself. Jesus Christ is my reconciler. He reconciled me to God. Jesus Christ left Heaven came to earth in a lowly, humble estate, walked this earth without a home, full of suffering, a life full of hardship, leading to the cross. That he fixed his face to the cross and marched to Jerusalem to give his life, his precious blood, to pay for my sins. He's good. What more could he do? Nothing. He's done it, it's finished. So are you here this morning as someone who is still striving, still attempting to earn God's favor, to earn God's acceptance, to earn God's approval? Would you come to Jesus this morning and trust Him? Or are you here this morning as a sufferer, full of fear, worry, wondering if you're ever going to make it through this. Would you come to Jesus this morning? His grace is enough. As we conclude, I'm going to pray for us. I believe Brother Garen will come up front. I'll be up front if anyone just needs to respond this morning to the invitation that Jesus is giving us to come to Him, I'm going to pray for us that we would respond in whichever way that God is speaking to us this morning. Dear Jesus, we love You. Jesus, we're thankful for Your Word. Lord, although we may not be thankful for our circumstances, Lord, although we walk through difficult times, Wondering if the pain will end? Jesus, your word reminds us that there will be a day where there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering. Jesus, there is coming a day when you will burst forth from the clouds and you will appear on the earth. And Jesus, you will make and finish all things that you began and all things will be new. Jesus, we long for that day. But Jesus, until that day or until you call our name, Lord Jesus, I pray that we will continue to come to you, that we will continue to to grow in the the knowledge of your grace, to grow in the way that we live during hard times, during suffering, during tragedy, during things that knock us completely off our feet. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, I know you are enough so Lord I pray this morning if there is someone here a single person here who is trying Lord if you're speaking to their heart they have not fully trusted in you place their faith turn from from their their sin turn turn from their believing that they can do it on their own Jesus I pray that you would call them and that they would trust in you Jesus, if there's someone here this morning who is hurting, who's been keeping it all inside, Lord, it's not doing them any good to hold on to this. Lord, I pray this morning that they would come forward, that they would take time to pray with someone next to them, take time to pray with Brother Garen, do whatever you're calling them to do. But Jesus, I pray most of all that they would come to you and find rest because I know that your promise is when we come to you, you will give us rest for our souls.